from the CSI Today News Desk at the College of Staten Island. Welcome to the CSI Today Talks Podcast with your hosts, David Pizzuto and Terry Manns. The CSI Today Talks Podcast is your connection to the College of Staten Island with the newsmakers that make it happen. From world-renowned faculty and staff, dynamic students, and community leaders, stay connected to CSI with CSI Today Talks. And now, here is your host, Terry Mayers. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the CSI Today Talks podcast on CSIToday.com or from wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is Terry Mayers, co-host of CSI Today Talks, here to bring you the latest episode, Season 3, Episode 13. Today we're talking with Jasmine Cardona, Executive Director of Economic Development and Community Partnerships at CSI. Before we get to Jasmine, we want to remind you to make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Co-host David Pizzuto and I will look to bring you new episodes often. Like this episode coming up, all of our episodes are available via our archive on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, from our website at www.csitoday.com, or from wherever you found us today. So let's get right into it. Thanks for joining us today, Jasmine. Hi, Terry. Great to be here. Why don't we start off by you telling me a little bit about your time here at CSI? It's funny. I don't know if a lot of people know this. I've worked at CSI for 20 years. I think it's maybe it's over 20 years at this point. I've kind of lost track. That's how much fun I'm having. (laughs) But I've been at CSI. I've worked at CSI for 20 years. But actually, my journey with CSI began before that because I'm, I'm a very proud CSI alum. So I graduated from CSI from the computer science department with a degree in computer science. And interestingly enough, like a little over 20 years ago, as life does, I took some unexpected shifts and turns. And I started working at the college in the chemistry department as part of a New York State economic development initiative. Um, And basically what it was doing was fostering an innovation space and supporting research dollars so that it remained in New York State as opposed to where it was going at that time, going out of state. And so I was really fortunate enough to start my career at CSI working with faculty and what I still consider my home um, (laughs) chemistry department because there's some incredible individuals there. And then from there, you know, right after the housing bubble burst, a lot of grants got pulled away and the NYSTAR grant that we were working under this project under ended. And so I was looking for other opportunities and really ended up in a place that I would never have anticipated delving into the world of workforce development within continuing education and then moved over to business incubation and then landed where I am today in economic development and community partnerships. And so I've made some interesting shifts throughout my career, but all good at CSI. Sounds that way. All right. So let's turn now to the areas for which you're responsible in the Division of Economic Development and Community Partnerships, which are workforce development and innovation auxiliary services, external relations. Uh, Let's take them one at a time. So as far as external relations is concerned, and this includes government relations, corporate engagement, the Office of Community Educational Engagement, and the Small Business Development Center, what's involved in the government relations aspect and why is it important? 
as we all know, we're publicly funded, right? We're a public institution of higher education. And so government relations is really just a continuation of a conversation that began a long time ago where our elected officials understood the value of making education and higher education available um, to the community at a cost that was affordable, was that accessible, but also making sure that it was inclusive and that it was accessible to everyone in our community. And so the way I consider government relations is really continuing that conversation through the lens of the value that we bring to our community, making sure that we are informing our elected officials on that return on, on investment, the things that we are doing to ensure that our students persist, that they are successful, that they're graduating, that they're connecting to jobs, right? All the incredible things that we are doing at CSI. And so when we're talking to our elected officials, we're advocating on behalf of our students and our college community, echoing all of the great successes that are happening on our campus. But more importantly, we're having conversations around the evolving needs of CSI. And we know that there are many and that there is a lot that we are doing with very little and all of the things that are still needed to continue to do the things that we're doing and, and beyond. So, so really it is, a, it's really talking to our elected officials about who we are, what we're doing, what we're continuing to do, what we're great at, and what we need, right? And I think one of the things that we're really fortunate about is that our elected officials um, see the value of CSI. They see that how integral we are to the community as an anchor institution. 70% of our students come from Staten Island. And so an investment in CSI, what we like to say is an investment in CSI is an investment in our local community. And so our elected officials across the aisle see that. And we're really grateful because we know that they have a lot of requests for funding, but that they continue to choose to reinvest in us. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that's a lot of the, the work that we're doing. Some recent things that we're doing is expanding some of our requests into the federal. We've submitted two federal spending requests. And again, that's to support infrastructure. So one of the requests is support our labs. So okay. renovating and upgrading our, our labs in the sciences. And another one is on, around workforce development and supporting um, workforce development in the emerging offshore wind. So that's really what our conversations are about. You know, there's just some examples of things that we're doing where we're advocating for resources for CSI. All right. What about corporate engagement? What does that comprise and what's its purpose there? So the corporate engagement work that we do is really conversations with industry, right? We work very closely with Cheryl and the advancement team um, mm -hmm. to do a lot of this work. But oftentimes when Rob and I are engaging our corporate partners, we're doing that in sort of this realm of asking for opportunities for our students, whether it's internships, whether it's opportunities for employment beyond, you know, for them to connect to jobs after they graduate connecting our industry partners to our faculty and our department chairs so that those connections um, stay fluid and that we are connecting our curriculum to what the industry needs are, because that reinforces then that our students are ready and that they're job ready. And then, of course, fundraising. So our corporate partners are doing all of that. They're supporting us through donations and funding. They're supporting us through you know, what we're doing in the classroom. They're supporting us through experiential learning experiences and then, of course, jobs. And on a related note, there's the Small Business Development Center. What is that and what's its purpose? 
So the Small Business Development Center, which is funded by the SBA, the goal of the SBDC is really to support small businesses. They're an integral part of our college and how they connect our small business community to resources. All of the services they provide are for free. And the idea is that they're connecting them to a myriad of resources, whether it's changes in policy that or governance or laws that will deeply affect the way that they run their businesses. Uh, so they're keeping them up to date on those things. They're connecting them to things that may be like financial services, referrals. A lot of times they have access to these incredible databases. So they're connecting their small businesses to data and, and labor market like research so that they're keeping abreast of like the trends that affect their specific market. There's a myriad of services that they're providing, but honestly, it's just essential services to small businesses. And what's beautiful is that it's all free. Great. All right. And I also understand that the SBDC played a significant role in the pandemic. How did they do that? They adjusted very quickly and basically switched their services to remote. And, you know, and they were able to meet, especially at such a critical time where our small business were hurting. And as you know, so many small businesses were closing. I mean, it was just it was devastating, the pandemic, to our small business community. It had really devastating effects. But, you know, during that time, the Small Business Development Center served over 2,300 clients. They saved approximately 1,600 jobs. It was a mixture of saving and creating jobs. And it's estimated that their economic impact was at about $168 million. So they really worked very hard to make sure that they were meeting those like critical needs for small businesses. And they didn't skip a beat during the pandemic. We're really proud of, of the work that they did, and especially of the our legendary Dean Balsamini, who just um, recently retired, but has over like 25 years that he was with us. All right, now let's turn to community educational engagement and the people it serves. If you could explain that a little bit, please. This office really is like a central bridge, like connecting our college to the community. I mean, we have a number of programs that we offer through this office. One is a fully inclusive college experience um, that we're offering for individuals that are 21 and over that have intellectual and development disabilities developmental disabilities, and that's through a partnership with AHRC. Another program that we offer through this office is a non-degree life learning program, again, for students over the ages of 21. Um, and that's our creative exchange program. And that's for individuals with various um, intellectual developmental disabilities. And this program is actually fascinating and it's a legacy that came out of and was birthed out of the closing of the Willowbrook Institution. And so when individuals and families um, were fighting and advocating for additional services and additional programming for their family members, their children, this program was um, birthed as a result of that. And so this has a long lasting um, legacy with CSI, and I'm really glad that it's still here today. And then another program is our life learning program for adults over the age of 55. We have ESL programs and HSC programs. We have our CLIP program, which is another ESL program, and that's specifically for individuals that are seeking to matriculate. In fact, fun tidbit for um, our CLIP program, little plug for our CLIP program, our valedictorian was a graduate of our CLIP program. And so that program served as a launch pad for our 2016 valedictorian, which we're really proud of. So as you can see, there's a number of community-based programs that are offered through this office. All right. 
And looking at the entire umbrella of external relations, are there any new initiatives on the horizon? Yeah, there's a few. When we're thinking about our external relations, we're really thinking about sort of eyeing the trends. Um, it's really important that we can anticipate the trends that are coming down the pike. And right now, um, we're all wrapped up in the world of AI. So making sure that we're connecting very closely faculty, students, and our college community to resources and connecting to like AI and making sure that we're on trend with all of the evolving needs that are taking place around this, especially as it dictates like what the workforce is going to look like and the requirements in terms of like equipped workforce. And then of course, offshore wind, all things related to offshore wind. I think, you know, we've been hearing a lot about that. So we're making sure that we're talking very closely to our engineering departments and also on the workforce development side, making sure that we're thinking about outside of engineering, what are the jobs that are going to be on the horizon, especially specific to like advanced manufacturing and things of that nature. So those are things that are definitely on the horizon for us. Next, let's take a look at workforce development and innovation. What's involved there? So these are non-degree um, programs. And what this is, is that these are like industry-recognized credentials that are helping individuals to train in a specific sector and, and enables them to be able to enter into the workforce immediately upon that specific training. So we offer trainings in healthcare and technology. And so students come in, adult students come in, and they, they take a training. And, and upon that training, they're able to get a credential and enter into the specific occupation. And so oftentimes these are individuals that are outside of our degree programs that are taking these classes and they'll take these classes for a myriad of reasons, right? Because maybe there are changes, industry changes and causing shifts in terms of workforce demands, in terms of jobs. Mm -hmm. And so people oftentimes are changing careers or entering into a new industry. And so they'll come in and take a workforce class. Oftentimes our students are taking classes with us because Students now are very intentionally taking jobs that are related to their field of study. And so we'll have students that are studying in the sciences that may take a pharmacy technician course or a phlebotomy course or a clinical medical assistant course. Right now we have our cloud academy. And so we partner with Amazon and some of our CS students and our school of business students are taking AWS practitioner classes and learning cloud-based technology. So oftentimes we're serving our very own students on the degree programs, but the goal is always that we start individuals with giving them entree into a specific career, but ultimately we want to give them the option so that they can continue to progress and ultimately pipeline into the college. We know that that's the route that our students should be taking in order for them to continue to progress. All right. Now there's also the New York Accelerated Workforce Recovery Hub Scholarship. Tell me a little bit about that. So that's an exciting partnership with New York City Community Trust, and that came off of the heels of the pandemic and understanding how important it was to connect individuals to jobs, but making sure that they're connecting to training that's going to get them into those jobs that are going to give them a living wage. And so New York City Community Trust is working with CSI and a few other CUNY campuses to offer scholarships so that individuals can enter into these trainings, removing the financial barrier, and then be able to connect to employment. Because workforce development doesn't have the ability to offer financial aid, oftentimes our students are paying out of pocket for these programs. And so 
this program is incredible because it allows us to remove that financial barrier and allows students to not have to worry about the cost of being able to get an essential training for them to be able to gain employment. Great. Okay. And as I asked you with the previous topic we discussed, what are some initiatives planned for the future in this area? So for workforce development, I think we're going to continue, I mean, definitely continue to expand upon our technology training. So as I mentioned, we have our Cloud Academy that we just launched, and the goal is to continue to expand upon that and and delve into some other areas um, within the tech sector. And then, of course, offshore wind. So we're looking very closely at advanced manufacturing, machinist, welding training, and preparing individuals for the green economy and and sort of all these jobs and sustainability jobs that are going to be coming down the pike in New York City. Okay. And if someone's interested in taking advantage of these opportunities, how would they go about doing that? Super easy. So they just have to call our, our office. Someone will be able to assist them, be more than happy to assist them and walk them through all the different options. And so they can call us 982-2182. Um, there's always someone there that can take their call or they can just go through the website and all of our programs are listed there as well. The next topic is auxiliary services. And I understand that auxiliary services is a nonprofit corporation. Could you describe its governmental structure and explain its unique relationship to the college? Definitely. So I serve as the interim director of auxiliary services in terms of like the structure Rob Wallace, our Vice President of Economic Development, he serves as the president of the corporation. And then we have a board that serves as the governing body for the corporation. And we have individuals serving on the board that represent the Staten Island community, so external to the college. We typically have students from our student government serving on the board, as well as faculty members. And so that's our overall governance structure. And in terms of its unique relationship to the college. I think in terms of it being a corporation, we have the opportunity to generate revenue through a number of ways. And though that revenue, after we do our due diligence and we're self-sustaining, the goal is to be able to support the college and to use that revenue and support and in the advancement of the college's mission and strategic goals. What are some of the areas that Auxiliary Services covers? So within auxiliary services, we have our dining services, we have our parking and dolphin card services, we have our admin team, which is our finance team, which supports a lot of the areas that have funds that go through the auxiliary, like athletics and Center for the Arts. And so those are some of the areas that we have in auxiliary. In your opinion, what are some of the most challenging auxiliary services areas and why? Some of the challenging areas, I would say, is in relation to how closely enrollment um, is tied to our success. And so when you think about dining and parking and some of our other areas, we need physical bodies on campus. And so when enrollment was down, that really impacted us. And as well as our, I'm sorry, our residence hall, Dolphin Cove. So when enrollment is down, it impacts all of our areas. Luckily, our enrollment is on an upward trend. So that's been great, and we just need to be able to continue that trend. But that's one of the challenging aspects of it is how closely connected our success is tied to the enrollment at the college. The other aspect is the cost of doing business. And so our dining services, they do a phenomenal job at keeping costs low to our students and our CSI community. 
but they face the same challenges that any small business would. It's the cost of doing business, it's cost of goods, and balancing that to make sure that the options that we're offering are affordable. And then our parking services. We were really fortunate to be able to pave two lots, two of our largest lots this past year, but that Two of those two lots, um, it cost about approximately a million dollars to wow. pay those two lots. Yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes we don't realize, I know we're all probably thinking, well, I got a cousin that could do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, you know, it's, we should all get into the concrete business. But, you know, the cost of doing business, I think what our areas do so well is that all of the critical services that we provide the college and our teams do that so well with such dedication and with such passion. But I think the financial aspects that prohibit us to be able to do it at the scale that we would like to. But even despite that, our teams do phenomenal things. Like I said, we were able to pave those two lots. Dining Services is now offering delivery through their mobile app. They're offering a variety of options through their Farm Fresh offerings that you'll see, I think, in 1P and 1C. So at the end of the day, our team does an incredible job at thinking outside of the box they're incredibly creative, as I think you need to be when you're running operations like this. And so we make it work. All right. And any upcoming innovations in this area? So we're going to continue to think about how we can keep the infrastructure, support the the infrastructure of the college in terms of our lots, in terms of, you know, making sure throughout the winter, in terms of innovations, you know, I think Jody always has a few things up her sleeve. So I think we can expect that there's going to be some surprises for the spring. I won't let anything out of the bag, you know, I'll let her kind of surprise us. But I think one of the things that's really important is that we're going to continue to move forward in digital upgrades. I think you saw that with the decals, we were able to go digital and get rid of those paper decals. One, it's more sustainable. Two, it reduces costs. But three, it just mirrors the way we live, right? We're mm -hmm. living in a digital age. I think the way that we provide our services should mimic that and how students and um, our faculty and staff experience sort of the services that we provide through auxiliary. So we're looking more around how to um, expand our digital footprint and how to move operations more digitally. So that's something that we're looking to do. All right. Let's turn the focus back on you, Jasmine. In your opinion, what are the most fulfilling aspects of this job for you and why? Well, I'll start with the fun part. It's fun okay. because every, <laughs> and, you know, I think, you know, because we have to like kind of you know, I think it's nice to be able to say that your job is fun and my job is fun. Every day looks completely different. As you can see, we wear a lot of hats in this division. There's lots of things going on. And so that makes my day really enjoyable. Fulfilling for me, fulfilling for me is that the work that I do has a direct impact in the community that I live in because I live on Staten Island. And I know that the work that I do goes back to our community and supporting our community. The work that I do supports our students, right? We are mm -hmm. a powerful engine of economic and social mobility. The work that I do directly is a contributing factor to that, right? So I love that I can do that for our students as an alum. Um, my goal and the thing that really motivates me is that any, everything that I experience as a CSI student, as a CUNY student, my goal is that our current students experience above and beyond anything that I had ever experienced and then some because that's what they deserve. So it's fulfilling to me that I'm supporting our students, supporting our community, that I'm supporting our faculty and staff. 
so that they can continue to do the incredible things they do in the classroom, in the labs, with their research, with our teams that are supporting our student. I feel that direct correlation in the work that I do, and that's incredibly fulfilling for me. All right. And one final question for you. What are some of the challenges and why? So challenges would be we have to just being mindful. I always like to draw the the sort of analogy or sort of description of higher ed is that we're like a huge multi-trailer, like tractor trailer, like a huge tractor trailer. And you definitely have to allow for time to be able to make shifts and moves, right? And so the challenge is that in higher ed, in, you know, in sort of public sector, we move a little slowly, right? It's not always going to be as fast as you want as you want to move. And so we, if, with that in mind, in terms of at the speed the higher ed moves, you have to be able to like really be on your toes. You have to really be able to anticipate the trends so that you can start to like what I mentioned earlier, to advocate for the appropriate infrastructure, to do the things that you know you're going to need to do and to be able to support our CSI community to be able to do that again in a myriad of ways, but making sure that we're providing the necessary resources for people to do all the things that they need to do. So that's really challenging. And then of course, just making sure that we're constantly communicating the value that CSI brings to the community. I think historically, higher ed just doesn't do a great job. I think sometimes individuals don't realize all of the things that are happening within a college campus, within our campus in particular. And I think what we need to do is really accelerate those kind of communications and making sure that we're telling our stories, that we're telling the success stories that, um, that we have at CSI. And I think we're doing that. I think we have an incredible team. I think Dave Pizzuto is incredible. All I hear now in the community is how much they're hearing about all the great things that are happening at CSI. We have, you know, Jackie Lombardi, an alumni, who's also doing the good work and, and sharing all of the incredible things that we're doing with our alumni. So I'm seeing that happen more and more. We just need to continue to do that and do that exponentially. All right. Well, Jasmine, thanks for joining me today and telling me about all of the important work that you do for the Division of Economic Development and Community Partnerships. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Terry. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Coming up this January, David Pizzuto rejoins the show with another exclusive interview on CSI Today Talks. Check us out, as well as all the newsmakers at CSI, on www.csitoday.com, and be sure to subscribe. We'll see you next semester, right here on CSI Today Talks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the CSI Today Talks podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get alerted for brand new episodes and to listen on demand to your favorites. Be sure to check us out at www.csitoday.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.